class, we're gonna learn some shit today. Welcome to episode 17 of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Frickin' Martin. Howdy to you new subscribers out there, and a thank you to everyone for listening, subscribing, following, leaving reviews, and reaching out to me. I've connected with several new followers this week, and as I always say, I love it, I love it, I love it. If you have not subscribed yet, definitely tap that button. It lets you know when new episodes drop, puts it in your feed for you to listen to, and it is totally free. Also, if you haven't left a review yet, it does greatly help out the podcast, so I would very much so appreciate it. I am proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. Well, if I were a straight cis white man who forced my made-up superiority on everyone else, demand people do as I say, while, of course, being hypocritical as fuck. Just cause they make the rules don't mean they follow them. Am I right, Jerry Falwell Jr.? <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know. Ah, the American dream brings a tear to my eye and a rash to my butthole. Europeans originally fled to America, with the majority seeking religious refuge, a place they could worship without a corrupt government. Anyone else find that ironic and deeply depressing? Religion-corrupting government can be traced back to our earliest knowledge of government, the story of leaders weaponizing religion is honestly a tired and overused plot in history. Like, come on, let's be more creative corrupt leaders, shall we? We repeat this story over and over, seemingly oblivious to the fact that it's already happened before. Like, thousands of times. This one political figure in history said it well. The man who has no sense of history is like a man who has no ears or eyes. That political figure was the tragically intelligent Adolf Hitler. He used history to inform his future, and because of that, he was a wildly successful evil turd. Unfortunately, our education here in the U.S. surrounding the history of our country sucks ass, and not in a good way. We teach a whitewashed, deceptive, and frankly straight-up fraudulent country's history honoring piece-of-shit douchebags like Christopher Columbus. And in many religions, the history of that religion is not typically taught at all. Why? Because, just like Evil Adolf knew, the man who has no sense of history is like a man who has no ears or eyes. Meaning, people who don't know shit are easy to manipulate, and people who are easy to manipulate are corrupt leaders' favorite kind of people. That's the first rule in marketing, after all. You gotta know your audience. Adolf knew his, and the people currently corrupting our government know theirs. In order to truly move forward, we gotta look back. As the Spanish philosopher, essayist, poet, and novelist George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. In order to stop this cycle, join me on this magical school bus, my spiritual sluts, and let's look at the history of religious corruption, religious freedom, and the separation of church and state. Let's go!
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at betterhelp.com slash blessedgay to check it out and get what? 10% off. The best part is you don't even have to leave your house. They offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor, video calls, phone calls, real-time chat, and direct messaging. All counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board. In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessedgay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash blessgay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash blessedgay. For this episode, I have pulled research from a shit ton of places, but mostly the National Museum of American Religion, the Library of Congress, Washington Post, History.com, and my good old college pal, Wikipedia. The United States does not and will not, according to the Constitution, claim any specific religion. In theory, as long as you're not hurting anyone or breaking any laws, you can believe and worship however the hell you want to here. Well, (laughs) again, if you are a cis straight white man. Now, although we don't have an official religion, many people think that we do. And I get it. One nation under God, right? Hell, it's even in our currency. In God we trust. And whose God is that? That would be the Christian God. Christians, since the founding of America, have tried their damnedest to take over the government. And in some ways, they've been very successful. Let's look at same-sex marriage for a hot sec. The only real winning argument against same-sex marriage was that Christians said it didn't go along with their religion. Our country miserably failed and allowed Christians' bigotry to dictate government rulings, siding with religion over equality, over citizens, and over freedom. Now, finally, in 2015, same-sex marriage did become legal in the U.S., but damn, it took way too long. Since we have religious freedom in America, those arguments should have never been considered. No religious arguments should have been considered. But just for fun, let's say religious arguments are allowed. Okay, well, I, as a gay male, believe that same-sex marriage is great within my religion. It doesn't hurt anyone or go against any laws. So because I am a citizen, my religious views should have been considered. And my marrying a male-identifying person should have never been in question. But Christians manipulated our government. They weaponized their religion. And girl... It is still happening today. Like Daniel Karslake and I discussed in episode 13, 
Check your local legislation and just count how many anti-LGBTQ bills are in effect or are trying to be. And as you do, take note that almost 100% of them are based in religious biases. And the majority of those biases? Christian. Christianity has basically turned into the unofficial, official religion of America, bullying everyone else. Well, actually, Christians have been bullies for a while now, before they even got to America. Christians were some of the first people to persecute Jews. There's the horrific religious crusades. And then we have the religious persecution in Europe, which led to people fleeing for America. So, yeah. Just history repeating. Really a pretty unsettling paradox because Christians, in theory, are followers of Jesus Christ, who was persecuted for his religious views, who literally was nailed to a fucking cross because his beliefs were different than the government's leaders. Yet so-called Christians persecute people and groups in Jesus' name, taking his life and death and practically just shitting on it. Let's go back and start around the 15th century over in Europe, where the government and religion were fuck buddies. And what happens with fuck buddies without a good sense of communication? Some become attached, some begin to confuse what the relationship actually is. Maybe you bring over a backpack in case you stay over. That turns into a week, which turns into a month. Then wait, are we living together now? What the actual hell is happening? Yeah, it can just get messy. In Europe's case, that mess was religious persecution. In 1458, Europe's slogan was, we put the cute in persecute. Okay, well, yeah, that's not actually true, but you get the idea. The religious persecution that drove settlers from Europe eventually to the British North American colonies sprang from the conviction held by both Protestants and Catholics alike that uniformity of religion must exist and the government should enforce this uniformity, a.k.a. straight white America. Everyone must believe the same thing. Otherwise, you're not invited. This conviction came from the belief that there was only one true religion. And of course, each religion was like, yeah, that's us. <laughs> A table for one. It became the duty. <laughs> duty. It became the duty for the civil authorities to impose these ideas on society, even forcibly if necessary. Nonconformists were labeled as heretics and were often executed. In 1464, their slogan was, We put the cute in execute. Okay, yeah, again, that part isn't real, but it could have been. Anyway. What ended up happening was that this religious bullying was being done by Catholics who were persecuting Protestants and by Protestants who were persecuting Catholics. And of course, both of those groups persecuting simultaneously the shit out of co-religionists. Basically, if you thought differently than your neighbor, you were going to get persecuted. As America began to be infested with Europeans, branches of Christianity began to sweep the land. Natives were captured, if not slaughtered, and often for those natives that lived, Christianity was forced upon them. So, basically, these Europeans left because they were being bullied, came to America, and were like, now it's our turn to bully. 
Enter Roger Williams, who we absolutely stan. 10 out of 10 would recommend. He was like, hey, y'all, this is enforced uniformity of religion, what we were running from. And it's like, not okay. He rejected the theology of Europe and American Puritanism, embracing radical ideas of separatism, the concept of the separation of church and state, something that is still seen as radical to this day. And listen to his cool-ass ideas about church. He believed Christ's true church could not be known among men until Christ himself returned to establish it. From his reading of the New Testament, Williams believed that the liberty of conscience, soul liberty as he called it, was necessary because no one could know for certain which form of religion was the true one God had intended. Like, yeah, preach Roger Williams. He knew we as humans don't know shit. So why not just let people worship how they damn well please? And I mean, if someone believes that there is only one true religion, well, that is an existential crisis that'll keep them up at night. Because if there is only one true religion, which, oh my god, that just is total BS. But anyway, yeah, let's just for shits and giggles say that there was only one true religion. Then that means there are a ton of people believing in a wrong religion. And here we have everyone thinking that they are in the right one. But if it is just one... Not everyone can be right. And what if it turns out, Bobby, you're in the wrong religion? And yeah, you can say, no, I have faith. I have faith that I am right. Well, so does everyone else. Is your faith somehow superior to everyone else's? Mmm, no. So sit down and listen to me talk some more about Roger Williams. Roger Williams wrote of a hedge or wall of separation between the garden of the church and the wilderness of the world. Those words, many scholars believe, inspired Thomas Jefferson, who later made the phrase separation of church and state famous. Williams was also one of the first colonists to speak out against stealing land from Native Americans. He was outwardly against slavery, and he absolutely loathed turtlenecks. All right, I don't know if that last one is actually factual, but like really, who enjoys wearing a turtleneck? His views on religious freedom and tolerance, coupled with his disapproval of the practice of confiscating land from Native Americans, earned him the wrath of his church and banishment from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Yep, he was kicked out for sedition and heresy after refusing to cease preaching what the colony deemed, get this, quote, diverse, new, and dangerous opinions. <laughs> yeah, believing in equality and respect? Mm-hmm, pretty dangerous, all right. This same story, again, it just kind of reminds me of the story of Jesus. It's so damn sad and ironic. Anyway, William's banishment was delayed because he was ill and winter was approaching. And, you know, they didn't have heaters, Snuggies, or Tylenol. Or as I like to call it, Tyler Nall. I know, it's so cute. So he was allowed to stay temporarily, provided that he ceased publicly teaching his opinions. But being the rebel that he was, he failed to do so. And the sheriff came to get him January 1636, only to discover that the bitch had slipped away three days earlier during a blizzard. 
He traveled 55 miles through the deep snow from Salem to Raina, Massachusetts, where the local Wampanoags offered him shelter at their winter camp and hosted Williams there for three months until spring. It makes me think, like, what if we had been nicer to the natives? What a cool, different, even more culturally diverse country we would be right now. After those three months, Williams and his followers settled on the Narragansett Bay, where they purchased the land from the Narragansett Indians. And again, purchasing land like that from natives was like taboo, but he did it anyway and established a new colony, Providence Colony, Rhode Island, where no one would be coerced or persecuted for their beliefs. And yeah, this protection even extended beyond Christianity to Jews, Muslims, atheists, whatever. He also helped found the first Baptist church in America. Which is just so funny to me that the Baptist church started as an extremely progressive denomination. Just knowing the history can really make you look at something differently. A major argument at the time, similar to one that is still currently happening, was that religion created morals. And without religion, people would not have morals. (laughs) Which is just so ridiculous. Especially when you look at the Christians who were viciously murdering natives and enslaving people left and right. Like, where the fuck were their morals? And even now, here in the U.S., there are Christians against Black Lives Matter, Christians who somehow justify supporting Donald Trump, Christians who have murdered, performed countless hate crimes, and continue to weaponize their Bible against anyone who is different. Where are the morals? There ain't no morals in any of that. Regardless. Roger Williams, trying to compromise with the Christians who wanted to create law using the Ten Commandments from the Bible, was like, sure, we can use the Ten Commandments for a blueprint, but the state has no authority to regulate the first four of the Ten Commandments as they relate to the relationship between God and man, like observing the Sabbath. So basically, anything to do with spirituality, he was like, nah, government has no right. He knew there was a major difference between religion and spirituality, that religion shouldn't dictate spirituality, and religion definitely shouldn't dictate government. Now, he did believe that the state had authority to regulate the last six of the Ten Commandments, like not committing murder, as they relate to the relationships between people. Yeah, that makes sense. And now, we leave Mr. Roger Williams and fast forward in time. We are now in 1791, and we finally come to the ratification of the Bill of Rights, which includes these First Amendment clauses. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The first section is known as the Santa Clause. Wait, no, that can't be right. No, okay. The Establishment Clause. And basically prohibits the federal government from establishing a national church or religion or excessively involving itself in religion, period. Particularly to the benefit of one religion over another. So, yeah. The same-sex marriage thing, again, what the hell, America? That was definitely favoring Christianity over others. The second section is known as the Free Exercise Clause. And sadly, no, that does not mean that we get free gym memberships. 
Wouldn't that be awesome, though? No, this one basically means that Congress can't prohibit the free exercise of religious practices. Now, there is a caveat to this one. The practices cannot hurt anyone or go against the law. For example, if a person were a part of a religion that believed in cannibalism, the First Amendment would actually protect one's belief in cannibalism, but not the practice, because practicing it would obviously go against the law. Cool. Sounds great. Awesome sauce. It's all cleared up. We good now? <laughs> if you are a cis straight white man, yeah, step to the front of the line. We got Frosés waiting for you. For anyone else, mm-mm-mm, freedom is not for you. The Africans, for example, who were brought to America from 1619 onward, carried with them a diverse range of religious traditions. Somewhere around 20 to 30% were Muslim, and many practiced African spiritual traditions. But the Christians in America were like, ah, uh, hell no. Not only will I enslave you, but I will strip your religion and traditions from you. The majority of Christians were pro-slavery in early America, often quoting the Bible to justify it. A favorite passage was Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, which reads, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart, as you obey Christ, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, render your service with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not to men and women, knowing whatever good we do, we will receive the same again from the Lord, whether we are slaves or free. Makes me want to vomit. Over time, in order to keep slaves in their place, white men decided it would be best to have slaves believe in a God, a god who enforced slavery. So they created what is known as the Slave Bible, which excludes any part of the Bible that might inspire rebellion or liberation. So like, a whole lot of the Bible. For example, it does not include Moses leading the Israelites to freedom, but it definitely does include Joseph's enslavement in Egypt. It's so fucking terrible, and honestly, it's kind of hard to process how people can be so evil. These Christians took about 90% of the Old Testament and about 50% of the New Testament out. To put that into perspective, there were 1,189 chapters in a standard Protestant Bible, while the Slave Bible contained only 232. Now listen, I love a condensed version of a long book, yes, Spark Notes, but not when it's to manipulate people into slavery. And you know, here is where I find the argument that translations of the Bible have been overseen by God just total trash. Like, if you believe that translations are 100% from God, then you are also saying you believe that God ordained slaves to have a specific Bible that endorsed slavery. So, sip on that. To put this in a more modern, current context, we have religious freedom bills, which originated in the 1960s as a response to the desegregation of public schools. White Americans created many private schools, known as segregation academies or freedom of choice schools, 
Not shockingly, the majority were located in the South. These schools gradually became associated with evangelical Christianity, tying into the belief that white people were superior. In our current world, religious freedom bills still exist, except now they focus more on opposition to LGBTQ rights. These bills allow bigotry, discrimination, and hate crimes without punishment from the government. A lot of these anti-LGBTQ bills affect healthcare and employment. A less intense example of people trying to argue religious freedom is that cake that was denied for that gay wedding. I've already said it on here, but I will say it again. No one can dictate what someone does with their cake after they buy it. And it is absurd for people to try. If you have a business for the public, then it has to be for the public. That includes people of color. That includes people within the LGBTQ plus community. That includes people who may have different religious opinions. It is like the Constitution says. You can believe someone is going to a hypothetical hell, but to practice discrimination against them should be against the law. So either move the hell away from the U.S., or just be a decent person. And what is so disgusting is that same baker would have probably sold a cake to someone like the serial killer Ted Bundy just because he looked and sounded like them. And on the flip side, ironically, that same baker would have probably had issues selling a cake to a Middle Eastern Jew hanging out with prostitutes, aka my pal, Jesus Christ. I've heard way too many Christians on the news and other public outlets claim that Christians are under attack, essentially saying that not allowing them to discriminate is somehow discrimination against them. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense. No person can legislate their Bible, not just Christians, that's for everyone. Politics shouldn't have anything to do with any religion. It is in our constitution! But maybe some Christians just like to pick and choose what they want to take from the Constitution, similar to what some Christians do with the Bible, taking what they want for their own gain. Our leaders should be focused on equality, science, hunger, education, jobs, bettering our country, systems, and people, making a free country for everyone, not just white people, and no, not just Christians. It reminds me of misogynists talking about the Me Too movement or racists against Black Lives Matter, somehow playing the victim card, fearful for their rights. Just because other people are gaining their rights doesn't mean you're losing yours. You're just losing your privilege. And in that same way, Christians have been humping the leg of America since it was born. When people are asking for Christians to take a step back, Christians aren't losing any rights. Other people are just gaining theirs. The only thing Christians are losing is an unfair privilege. As we watch the political debates and speeches, take note of how people are using religion as a weapon. No, how people are using Christianity as a weapon. Let's be real. In this country, we just don't have extensive history of Jewish, Muslim, Wiccan, Buddhist, or any other faith identity trying to take over the government or brainwash people into slavery. It's been Christians. You know, the ones with the morals, right? 
The majority of conversion therapy groups in the U.S. right now are Christian-based. The anti-women, anti-people of color, anti-LGBTQ plus legislation that is being created often stems from the grotesque idea of what a Christian nation should be. And this right here is why I only sometimes claim the label Christian. I know I've probably come off as very anti-Christian in this episode, and a lot of these so-called Christians throughout history I've talked about, I am against deeply. I see the horrific history of Christianity and what some are currently still doing, and it makes me sicker than having a four loco after two Jaeger bombs. It's disgusting. But if we break down what Christianity is and what Jesus himself taught, those groups are not Christian. They are hate groups who use a sticker with the word Christian on it. That is it. Like Brandon Robertson and I talked about on the podcast in episode 16, if Christians know more about what they're against than what they're for, that's not good. That hatred ideology has nothing to do with what Jesus taught. It goes against what Jesus taught. How did conservative Christians lose the way so intensely? Christians must take responsibility for the shit that they and their ancestors have done, learn the history of their religion, the good and the bad, actively try to repair the damage, damage we are still definitely struggling with in America today, and most importantly, they need to back up off government. The Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom was drafted in 1777 by Thomas Jefferson and enacted into state's law January 16, 1786. The statute disestablished the Church of England in Virginia and guaranteed freedom of religion to people of all religious faiths. The statute helped lead us to update the Bill of Rights and is one of only three accomplishments Jefferson instructed to be put on his epitaph. Obviously something he was really proud of. It is beautiful, speaks directly to the religious bigotry we are witnessing now in the U.S. It's honestly sad how relevant it still is. And I wish this country's leaders and religious people of all faiths would embrace its message. Jefferson, a Christian was able to separate church and state, honoring his religion while allowing others to honor theirs. He believed people should be free to worship how they saw fit, calling it a natural right of mankind. And now I shall take exactly 43 minutes and 52 seconds to read the entire statute from start to finish. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I do want to read just a little tiny, tiny snippet because it is so beautiful. Whereas Almighty God hath created the mind free, that all attempts to influence it by temporal punishments or burdens, or by civil incapacitations, tend only to beget habits of hypocrisy and meanness, and therefore are a departure from the pain of the holy author of our religion. I'm going to throw my hands up and say amen. Yes. I definitely suggest you read the full thing. It's amazing, beautiful, and a wonderful argument for the separation of church and state. I hope you found this history lesson as interesting as I did, and hopefully it has made you more aware of some of the religious bullying that is still happening in the U.S. today. 
I think it is really important to talk about, especially as we approach the election. Let me know what you thought and share any specific stories you have revolving around religious freedom. You can email me through the email in the show notes or DM me on social media at have a blessed gay on all the platforms. If this or any of the subjects have been overwhelming and you're having a hard time, I always post helplines in the show notes. So definitely reach out if you need to. Just please educate yourself and others. Be good to people. Have morals with or without religion. Don't deep throat your religion into anyone. And don't let anyone manipulate you into worshiping something you don't believe in. Just as Thomas Jefferson said, it is your right as a human to think freely. You are special. You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.